Blog Talk Radio. Jermaine Ortiz a ton of credit because it's not like he went out there and tried to steal the show. Um, If you thought he won, I can't argue with you. Um, If you thought Lopez won, okay. You know, I'm not going to put up a big fight. Um, Of course, we had a funky scorecard in there or two. I'd have been just fine with the draw, to be honest with you. Um, Because that's basically scored it. We'll get into that, though, and talk it through. Keyshawn Davis looked good against Pedraza. Um, and then we'll talk about the other fights that happened over the weekend. Um, Bellotti and Dillian was a good fight. I'll definitely go round and round on that one and, and kind of, you know, talk about the other stuff we do. Like a, a, a fairly packed Friday. Um, obviously, this weekend got kind of met, or not kind of, it got messed up, right? Tyson Fury, Alexander Usyk was supposed to happen this weekend. It would have been the undisputed fight we've been trying to get for so long. There's so many different ways, but hey, you know, May 17th is a new date. Hopefully Tyson Fury's eye, you know, heals up and they can actually make that date. But in the meantime, we do have some interesting fights going on. Um, Oshaki Foster and Abraham Nova. Um, is the main event on ESPN Plus. It's not on, I don't believe it's on straight up ESPN. I think it's ESPN Plus. Um, there is a rematch. Uh, a- Adriel, what is it, Kural and uh, Nanshinga. The rematch, that's going to be a good fight. I-, I really think this time it will be a better fight with, you know, Kurel had a great, great, or is it Kurel? Kurel. Curiel, Curiel, I think that's what it is. Um, he had that highlight real knockout, in, you know, back in, I think it was November or something like that. Um, and, you know, DeZone uh, has, like I said, Thursday, Joseph Diaz Jr. in the main event. Friday, DeZone has a show, Pro Box TV, not on Wednesday this week, on a Friday. Um, 
And and then of course news, right? Um, Ryan Garcia, Devin Haney, done deal. April twentieth, the zone pay per view game seven. Game seven is what they're calling it. Obviously a playoff. Their amateur record three and three. Love it. I think it's a great fight for both of them, Devin Haney, especially because of that profile boost that he should get. And, you know, a lot of people were talking a whole bunch of stuff about Ryan Garcia um, as if he wasn't going to take a a challenge, and he did. He shut up everybody. Devin Haney's, you know, right there with the toughest fight at 140 possible. Credit to both of them. I saw them get in kind of that – you know, that little pushing match or whatever, they were talking smack and there was a little push and a little push and it was kind of funny. It looked, it was one of those where you're like, didn't really come off all that natural, but hey, people responded to it, right? I, I actually was talking to someone um, in their 20s and I mentioned, hey, did you see, you know, blah, 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 Ryan Garcia, Devin, I like, oh, I can't wait for that fight. Did you see that clip? So it definitely hit the youth, that's for sure. And then Canelo Alvarez <laughs> had everybody in a in a tizzy, to use an old-ass word, a frenzy. Oh, my God. He's leaving PBC. We don't know his opponent, though. He uh, had an interview for Azteca, signing a new deal with them. And uh, he did give us a little bit of details. It sounds like it's not going to be Mungia, but he gave us some details that we'll go over. Um, but he was supposed to announce that he was supposed to announce that he was leaving the PBC. That's what like 70% of, well, maybe even more, 80% of boxing Twitter was on. Um, because, you know, the PBC's broke. Now, like I said, we didn't get an announcement on his fight. All he said is it was an American. But the well, we knew the day and the date, but the venue, the area where the location, the area, the location, the city where it's going to be, at least gives you some detail on what who he's not fighting and who's not likely funding it. Okay, so we'll talk it through. Um, there was some other fights. Oh, by the way, breaking news: Shakur Stevenson is out of his retirement. Wow, I never would have guessed it. Man, I'm really happy he's back. It's been a while, man. Hopefully he can get the rust off. He's been out, what, three years now? No, I'm just kidding. Um, yeah, that, that's no surprise. Bob Arum, though, had some interesting quotes in a boxing scene article that we'll get to. Kind of interesting quotes that he's pretty confident that he can resign them. We'll, we'll get into that, though. Um. And then some other fight news. Boots Ennis, Sabru Matias, Elijah Garcia is in the news. And all of that is, well, not all of it's positive. <laughs> I guess Boots Ennis is not necessarily positive because of the lawsuit. But we'll get into all of that. We'll break down, like I said, this weekend's fights. Looking forward to both of those fights, Foster Nova and, uh, and the rematch um, with Kiriel. In Nanshinga. I think it's Nanshinga. Dude, that's going to be a good fight. I don't think it'll be an early knockout this time, but I could be wrong. You never know. 
Um, anyway, if this is your first time listening to the Rope It Up Radio podcast, welcome. welcome. It streams live right here on blogtalkradio.com forward slash Rope It Over Radio. You don't have to go to Blog Talk and Rope It Over. You can find this here podcast under Rope It Over Radio on Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Player FM, Google Podcasts. Make sure you download the podcast app, um, Podtail, Podbean, Podbay. Just Google it. You'll find something that's for you. Okay, while you're at it, head on over to thegruelingtruth.com. Phil Boxing, Eastside Boxing, one more thing about DirecTV Stream. Get the best in streaming TV, stream live sports, on-demand shows, and must-have channels you need anytime, anywhere across your favorite devices for a limited time, $83.99 for the first two months. That saves you $50. I'm all over the place right now. Uh, When you go with the choice package. The entertainment package right now starts at $79.99. Either way, choose the package that's right for you, Direct TV Stream. Okay, so, um, you know, like I said, very lackluster performance. We were talking about last week, the only thing that holds you back from, you know, Teofimo maybe being like a top five pound-per-pound fighter is consistency. That's the only thing in trying to cut the fucking ring off. <laughs> now, that's that's a two-way street. That is a two-way street, okay? Ortiz was on his bike, too. Um, let's just, I mean, I don't know, man. Honestly, like I said, you could have either guy winning. Um, if you gave eight or nine rounds to either guy, I don't really see that at all. I think nine to three. I, th- I don't agree with eight to four. Nine to three is silly. Um, but even eight to four, I just don't see how you can convincingly be like, yep, eight to four, especially tail. But either way, either way, I, I want to say. Um, I did give, give Ortiz the first round. I thought he, you know, he had a steady little jab, came out in the southpaw, and uh, he was already featuring a fair amount of, you know, movement, okay? Now, it did get off to a late start, 1140 on the East Coast during the week with uh, some light lead-ins. They did have lead-ins, but they were pretty light. Now, the boxing did the best out of all those, the the two lead-ins, and we'll get about, you know, we'll get to the rating after that. They did open up some tickets late. Um, they dropped the tickets that were already on sale, but then they opened up tickets. So um, I think the attendance was 6,206, if I, if I don't if I remember correctly. Anyway, you know, Lopez landed a few decent rights in that first round. I didn't see him win in the second one. I did see him land a big right hand late. Um, he, he was swinging a little wild, but I did give Lopez the second round because of that big right hand. Um, Ortiz had his jab going still, but he, he landed a left-hand counter late as well. Um, but, yeah, the big right hand kind of did it for me. Um, now, there were swing rounds, and, and I think that perfect example, the third round, nice combinations um, from Ortiz, but he was moving even more, okay? 
But at the same time, you had Lopez more following and reaching when he punched, right? Now, there was a late right hand and, and, and landed a couple more shots after that and into the body. Did that steal the round? Because it felt like that was the best shot. I gave it to Lopez, but it was competitive. Um, and then I gave Ortiz the fourth uh, midway through big left hand by Lopez, like a hook. I think it was a left hook. He set it up with a right hand. Lopez working the body. Um, Ortiz had a nice flurry and then late landed a big left hand. Um, and Lopez kind of called him over the corner, right? Like, come on, man, because at, at some point he did. Like, there's following, right? There's following, and then there's cutting off the ring. There's running, and then there's boxing on the outside, right? So it's kind of a mixture throughout the whole fight. Like I said, I, j- I wouldn't just blame Lopez, okay, because Ortiz was excessively moving and he wasn't throwing enough. But there was moments where I kind of felt like Ortiz sold the round because Lopez kind of backed up and went in the corner, like come in the corner, and he got hit with a couple good shots. So I don't know, man. You know, uh, that one was another close round. Could have went either, you know, either way. Um like a, a late left hook to me in a flurry. I thought that stole the round. I did give Ortiz um, the fifth and the sixth. You know, counters from time to time, a jab. Once again, though, he was moving too much. And following again, there was times where Lopez was assertive, jabbing and throwing the right hand to the body and not worrying about reaching with his punches. And, but when he was in follow mode, he looked pretty bad. He looked pretty bad. And, and I could say Ortiz, too. Sometimes he'd land good punches in a round. Sometimes it was just basically moving. You know what I mean? Um, but, yeah, he was definitely on a stick and move in the sixth round. Um, I think the last part – well, I'll say this. The last part of the sixth round, I believe, there was a moment where he – was able to cut the ring off and let, and be a little bit more patient with his punches. But I just thought he, he didn't really catch up to him enough to give him the round. There was a head clash, I believe, in the seventh round, if I remember correctly. Lopez, though, see, the seventh and eighth were clearly for Lopez, for me anyway. Right hands, especially late in that seventh round, two-punch combos. He started, like, throwing the uppercut. He landed an uppercut late, but it – the replay showed it was on the armpit. The, the whole point is, like in the eighth round, came with the jab, came with the body work. He was just more assertive, and he was moving his head. Whereas, you know, maybe the best shot of that round was a counter left for Ortiz, but it wasn't enough. Now, the ninth for me was very close. Again, I gave it to Lopez, but it was close. I thought more right hands to the body along with his jab did it. Um. But like I said, he was just mostly moving in that round, Ortiz. There was a late shot that was that landed well. A few decent shots, but I think it was a right hook late, if I remember correctly. But it just, you know, not much was happening in general on both sides. Because through nine rounds, Ortiz had the, you know, landing advantage. But it was 50 to 47, 
He had thrown 300 punches for 17% compared to Lopez 241 to 20%. But if both of them are 20% down, eh, not so much. Now, the 10th round was a two-way round, okay? You had the first half of it. I thought Ortiz was landing well, and he was more circling rather than moving, right? Um, Lopez was mostly going to the body. Um, But once again, he got into follow mode. I thought he got into follow mode too much. I did give Ortiz the 11th round. I gave him the 10th and the 11th. Uh, The lead straight, I think he had jab and then straight left hands. Um, So, and you also saw Lopez, you know, backing up a few times. He landed a couple, you know, um, but at times he's, he's backing up. It's like, dude, you just won the seventh and eighth and probably the ninth by being more assertive. You're not going to now win on your back foot, you know. Now, I thought he came out with some urgency again and brought some pressure enough to win the 12th round for me, okay? So, you know, like I said, 6-6, I kind of wish it was just a draw so nobody won, you know what I mean, to be honest anyway. Um, But if I were to pick a winner, I would say it would be really, really close. Six five one at top seven five uh, for Ortiz personally. One seventeen one eleven is just ridiculous. I would have liked there at least have been one draw scorecard or a, a fit one fifteen to one thirteen both ways, so it's at least a split decision. But yeah, I mean, Keo won the body work thirty three to twelve. And, and like I said, I wish he would have just been scoring points with that body shot and throwing his jab more. But, I mean, 80 to 78, uh, Ortiz did get up to 20%. He threw 409 to 364. But 80 to 78, both guys under a, under 100 lands. And, and copy box is not perfect, but, I mean, that was just a bad fight, dude. And both of them are responsible for it. You know, anybody talking about that, that's a a beautiful display of uh, boxing. Uh, no, no, I, I'm not, I'm not there. I'm not, I can't be there with you. Sorry. It just wasn't, it just wasn't. Now there were spots, like I said, where he was circling, countering, landing flush, but just nowhere near enough. You know what I mean? Nowhere near enough, in my mind. Anyway. Um, now... We did have a big upset. Antonio Zapata got upset. What was that? I think it was the second round, right? Or no, third round. I think it was third round. Knocked him down a few times, did Riley. Um, That was a big upset. I didn't see that coming. Abdullah Mason handled his business, as did uh, Javier uh, Martinez. Um, And we also, you know, that Georgia Costa and Renee uh, was it Telus Jerome? Um, you know, that, to me, you know, I thought that was a, a, a fairly competitive fight. I think one of the scorecards was very close, if I remember correctly. I think it was Weisfeld. Uh, now, I had Renee winning, but I thought it was competitive. Um, yeah, I think it was like a 
76-75. I think it was – let me check, actually. Um, but it was a clean win, you know, definitely a clean win. Yeah, 76-75. Otherwise, it was 78-73, 79-72. Um, so, yeah. Now, as far as uh, Keyshawn Davis and Jose, Jose Pedraza, um, you know, early in the fight, a lot of tying up. Some good lands by both of them, but it was a lot of tying up. There was a lot of tying up throughout this fight. Davis, though, uh, by the second round, was, was landing his jab, a few combinations. Uh, I did like his left hook to the head and body. Uh, by the third round, more left hooks and lead right hands, and they were landing flush. They were landing really flush. I thought Pedraza, with the body work in the right hand, Actually, that was his best round. I saw somebody that, that gave him that round. I remember on Twitter, that was his best round because, like I said, he was working the body. So it was a little shoe shiny. Uh, but the right hands, I thought, landed pretty good. And I think that was the round where the, the ref warned um, Davis for pulling his head down. But, I mean, the fifth, he, you know, definitely started letting his hands go. Um with hooks and just started taking over the fight. And I mean, he was already winning the fight, obviously, but you know, he really started putting his hands together. TKO, uh, if, if I remember correctly, early in that, in that round or fairly early in that round. So, um, you know, he looked good. He definitely looked good because he was coming off that suspension or whatever for, you know, a pretty shitty, but whatever, it is what it is. Uh, the rules are the rules, right? So Keyshawn Davis definitely looked good. He was calling out Tiafima Lopez. I don't think that fight will happen. But who knows? You know, who knows? Now, the ratings, you know, it got off to such a late start, and then there was a doubleheader there, obviously. The, the whole card averaged, or the, the two fights, I should say, Average 451. The main event was 532. It peaked at 584. Now, obviously, that doesn't include the ESPN Plus, but still, pretty pretty mediocre ratings. There was, like I mentioned last week, there was two lead-ins before it. The first one was a women's college basketball game. That averaged 343. And then the lead-in was even lighter, NHL 298. So, it didn't really get a bump from the lead-ins, unfortunately. But, um, you know, it was it was a really slow fight, man. And it's funny, these this idea with these Thursday nights, um, the F1, and then now the Super Bowl, and then, man, they've been some shitty two main events, man. Really bad. Like, And like I said, I blame both equally, right? Because there's times, not many, like I mentioned, that Lopez was more assertive. And instead of reaching and trying to land these bombs, he was using his jab in and, and the right hand of the body. And I thought, man, if he would have kept that up, he could have won cleanly. Now, I guess you could say he did, you know, he did win cleanly because there was a 9-3 to scorecard, which I think was pretty ridiculous. But there was just too much following. And... After you, you knew it was a tight fight 
when he was crying after, you know, I don't mind boxers or athletes crying at all, actually, because it, it at least shows they care. But to, you know, the way he talked about Ortiz and the plans coming up and all that, it wasn't a cry-worthy fight. Like, it was some epic, you know, I don't know. It just, to me, it didn't feel like he thought he was going to win the fight. Um, now, that's my personal opinion. Like I said, it's not the fact that he's crying. It just shows you he may have gotten kind of a little lucky in the decision, but not really. Because on the flip side, you know, Lopez did have his time where he was circling and jabbing and counter. But there was just too much movement. And the rounds he lost, he was just moving way too much. And like I said, were there some good things from uh, Lopez cutting off the ring? There was. There was some. But there was also a lot of following and reaching. And I can understand getting frustrated. But even after the fight, he called it a 10 of you know, 10, 10, 10. Like, he was, it was a great performance. And also they said, now we know, and this isn't the first fighter to do this against it, but now we know people are going to run from us, so we'll have a plan. It's like, well, you should have had a plan already. But that said, like I said, Lopez, anybody calling that a beautiful display of boxing or anything like that, that's ridiculous. That's completely ridiculous. Um, and I did see some of these 9-3 to three scorecards for both guys. Like, either one 9-3, I don't, I don't know, man. Like I said, these type of fights, I just wish they were draws because – Neither guy deserved to win, in my opinion. But, yeah, any kind of talk of, man, he, he, he put on a show. Or not a show, but like a, you know, like a, like he outclassed them or something. Talking about Ortiz. Nah, dude. He definitely did. See, people forget. Like, they want to bring up Whitaker or Floyd Mayweather, guys that did box a fair amount, especially as they went up in weight. But, like, go look at how many punches they landed compared to their opponent. They would separate themselves and barely lose a round. And sometimes when there'd be competitive rounds, you know, the fans would just give the guy uh, the round because, like, hey, man, you landed something on him, shit, you know. So you're not – you didn't outclass anyone, um, but it – but to be fair, it was a lackluster performance against Ortiz, too, or, you know, for uh, T.O. too. So, anyway, we're going to talk. I'll talk a little bit about some of the other action uh, here and there, and then we'll, we'll talk about what's coming up this weekend. We'll also talk about, like I said, Ryan Garcia, Devin Haney, a done deal. There are some other items that we'll talk about. I'm going to go ahead and bring in John into the fold here. What's going on, John? How you doing, man? Chris, how's it, how's it going tonight? Uh, interested listening to you uh, talk about last weekend's card a little bit. Yeah, um, you know, it was obviously disappointing. Like I said, I, I don't these Thursday night fights haven't just haven't worked out <laughs> for some odd reason. They just got unlucky back to back with these Thursday nights. But you know, the thing is, all you got to all somebody can really do is put him in the ring 
for matchmaking and promoting and management and all that. It is up to the fighters, too. And it's not like Ortiz had had a habit of boxing on the outside the whole time or something like that. So that kind of surprised me. Um, but once I saw him moving so much, surprised me that Tiafimo was having problems with that, too. Because, like I said, I, I don't think he was trying to set up his punches. Um, but it's hard when someone's moving that much. What would you think of, you know, the fight? How would you score a fight like that? Because it feels like not much happened in the fight in general. Give us your take on that. And then also, you know, some of the undercard action or whatever, too. Obviously, uh, you know, Keyshawn Davis had a good performance. Well, first, I think you made a, a good point that when I was giving it some more thought, I came to the same conclusion. I'm definitely normally, and, and I think most times rightfully so, quick to uh, blame promoters and TV interests when these cards go bad and they're set up bad. Uh, you know, this main event doubleheader of Pedraza, Davis, and Ortiz, when it was very first signed, my initial reaction was like some of the critics that these aren't really two fights that are that great. But I gradually changed my opinion. And even though the card worked out bad, I came to the same conclusion the way you were describing it. But, you know, for top rank, they had this regular TV opportunity, and I mean ESPN, and ESPN Plus even has got a lot more subscribership than it did, you know, five years ago. I mean, you, you can't discount it anymore in terms of what exposure it's also adding. So these are good opportunities, and as I looked at it more, I thought, well, these guys all are in their stable. And as when we were analyzing it last week, I was saying, even though Pedraza seems at a point where he's going to really tail, he, he kept staying competitive in these fights and coming to fight. And Davis was coming off a few bad performances. And, you know, I'm with you with this silly marijuana suspension. You know, in the year 2023, 2024, you shouldn't be suspended for marijuana, which isn't a PED. It's just asinine. So, but still, his performance, he had a couple of performances where he didn't look that good. So, uh, after looking, you know, spectacular early on and being moved quickly and rightfully so, uh, so I thought, you know, all right, as time was going, I thought maybe that's okay. And then the main event, just again, the way you described it, if you're really not using your hindsight bias and you're looking at it before the fight, Ortiz was a guy with boxing skill, but he wasn't a guy that stunk it out. I mean, he, he, he you know, b- boxed effectively against Lomachenko, but he also came to fight and really pushed him, made that very close. And he had a fight of the year with Joseph or Adorno, a fight of the year type fight. I mean, it was an eight rounder, but it was a fight of the year caliber fight. Anybody that's never seen that fight, you'll find it somewhere and watch it. There's no doubt about it. It really was one of the better fights you'll ever see. So he was in a fight like that. Uh, when he stepped up again and, you know, beat Jamel Herring, again, he wasn't running all over the ring or anything like that. He has boxing skill, but he's got, you know, decent pop too. So even though Tiafimo coming off a great performance against Josh Taylor was a significant favorite, then as that was getting closer to, I thought, well, for – you know, working with their own guys in the stable, regular TV, not that bad. Now, 
let's go to what happened Saturday night. Uh, you know, I'm I'm going to be on the more dramatic end of things. I just thought the night worked out so horribly all the way around for a lot of different reasons. Uh, you know, let's might as well talk about the main event first. You had the fight. I think Tiafimo and Ortiz and the East Coast fighters, the, the fight ended up starting, it's a Thursday night, 11.36. So you're having it in Vegas, but, you know, may, maybe in this slot you should have picked some West Coast guys, you know, if you were going to have it in Vegas and try to tie it in with this Super Bowl thing. wasn't well thought out there, even though Tiafimo was coming off a, a good rating. You want to build on that good rating he had with Josh Taylor, not squander it. And that's what they did because – and then, you know, I think – with Jermaine Ortiz and I, and I've complimented him on his previous performances. So I got that out of the way in the sense, you know, it's not like I'm going to try to over pile on the guy and, and it's always got to be understood how dangerous the sport boxing is and everything. But the more I'm thinking about his performance, I, I hated it as I watched the 12 rounds go by, which was just pure torture. Uh, I thought he was just running. Now, you know, then, then you get a lot of people who do know what they're talking about as well, but you can have differences of, of opinion. They'll say, well, you, you call boxing running. No, no, that that was running. That wasn't boxing. And, Chris, you described it perfectly. Look, I, even, you know, there there are great boxing performances. I mean, it is still the, you know, it's traditionally called the, the manly art of self-defense and, you know, the idea of hit and be hit. Sure, that that's all always been a part of the sport. And I was, you know, trying to think of some, like, Look at like when um, Frankie Randall was a huge underdog against Julio Cesar Chavez in the first fight, and you know yeah, he yeah. was outboxing him, but putting hurt on him, and you know putting so much hurt on him, he ended up dropping him late in the fight. Like you said, you know Pernell Whitaker against uh, Chavez, and even though you know even though it wasn't the greatest fight in the world, I thought Pernell Whitaker did a good job boxing uh, when he fought De La Hoya, could have gotten the decision in that fight. And, you know, you had like Roy Jones when he was at his best and he fought James Tony, another all-time great fighter completely. And, you know, Tony is a master boxer, but he completely outboxed the master boxer with his speed. And, you know, he he heard him one time during the fight, Uh, you know, you know, Mayweather against Corrales. I mean, there's all kinds of performances like that. What, What I'm trying to point out is, you know, you know, truly, truly great boxing you know, performances, um, you know, you would see that with the early Hector Camacho before the Rosario fight. You know, you know things where a guy just dominates with his boxing skill and he, he's putting hurt on the opponent. Uh, so I'm, I'm, what I'm saying is you can box. Ortiz wasn't boxing. He was just running. And like you said, too, I mean, I agree, Tiafimo didn't do his part in terms of being a master at cutting off the ring, as a lot of people were emphasizing, but I think they went too far. I mean, I, I really do think, you know, you know Tiafimo, there, there was a difference. I didn't like even the commentary. Like, the way Cambosos fought Tiafimo Lopez was not the way Sandor Martin fought him or Ortiz fought him, even though Cambosos, you know, gave him trouble and beat him, you know. He dropped him with a with with a clean sharp knockdown. He he wasn't running, you know. He was using his hand speed. You know, he did get dropped late when Tiafimo came on, so you know he was there. But but you know it, it wasn't he wasn't running or anything like that. And he and he legitimately won the fight. You know, Martin 
was not engaging. You know, he, I thought that was a dreadful performance too. And Lopez, you know, he went down, but it wasn't to me like anything where he was hurt. Or it was just he was trying to get after the guy. I, I think Lopez – I brought out the Cambosos fight because I wanted to make it clear. I'm not making excuses for the guy. I clearly lost to Cambosos, who boxed well, dropped him. But Martin and even worse, I never thought in a million years I'd be saying this with Jermaine Ortiz, who's a better offensive fighter than Sandor Martin. He, he was running even worse than Martin. I mean, yes. it, it was just hard. So I think what Tiafimo Lopez is saying, you know, these guys are into run. I mean, I do think that's right. I mean, yes, did Lopez look bad as well? And I'm with you, Chris. Was Lopez doing anything great? No. I mean, he was barely landing much himself, but he was the legit champ in this fight, lineal champ, and he's got a guy who's running. I can't – I personally – I think it would be a what you like, but I don't have a problem with Weisfeld's card because if he was seeing Ortiz, quote-unquote, fighting the way I see, saw Ortiz fighting, I think you can just say, hey, I'm not giving this guy rounds for doing this. He, he's not earning the rounds. He's just running, and I think nine threes within reason. And then the other guys, if they gave him a little more credit, I don't think he deserved it but just saying, well, Lopez isn't doing much either, and to get it a little closer, okay, fine. But I even understand what you're saying, like, in a real general sense. And to me, like a fight, believe it or not, that I thought was like that was Fury-Klitschko. Like, you know, when there's so little happening, if you want to say, hey, this is a draw, but, you know, like in that case, you had Klitschko was a lineal heavyweight champ, Lopez lineal considered at 140 here. Uh, you know, I, my personal opinion, we don't even need a 140, but you have it. He, he's the lineal guy there. He's clearly the champ. If you know, looking at that class, uh, but but see, that's what I mean. Like like the way you said, like if a guy was going to run like that, and the champ's going to retain the title because it's a draw. Okay, yeah, it's a blemish maybe on the champ's record in that sense, but the other guy's not picking up the belt. Everybody can see what he did. Uh, I, I'll even say they're fine, even though I didn't think. Ortiz deserved credit for what he was doing at all. Uh, and he wasn't landing. I mean, he just wasn't landing punches. So, you know, it wasn't like he was sticking a jab and then moving or going in and in, coming in, landing a lot of shots, then moving out. He wasn't doing that. He was just, just running around the ring. It was just, it was just absurd. And for that to be, you know, on regular ESPN and what they were trying to make a high profile exposure, except for the fact that it started after 1130 in the East just a right. total wasted opportunity with Tiafimo Lopez coming off a really good performance and a really good waiting for this day and age against Josh Taylor. So, yeah. all, you know, a lot of the momentum just, just thrown away, just squandered. Uh, it, You know, I kind of given the matchmaker and top rank a break there, like I said, as I thought, and it got closer. I didn't like it early, but, but Ortiz hadn't fought like this before, but, Got to say, in hindsight, you know, even with Pedraza against Davis, got to do a little better. I mean, you know, these are these are missed opportunities, and you and I have been saying this for months now. Uh, and you know, PBC made mistakes, you know, with the with that Fox deal, and and you know, some of the way it was going later on uh, with you know, you know, Showtime cards and things, and uh, you know, their deal. 
they had to move, you know, go get a new deal. Uh, what I'm getting to is, I mean, look, if top ranks looking to squander any chance of, of a deal with ESPN continuing, they're doing it. And I think the way things went with PBC with, with their deals where they had exposure on Fox, you know, it's, it is a cautionary tale. We've seen it before in boxing in recent years where, you can't really blame networks. I mean, what casual fan? They're they're not out there, but if they the idea is you're gonna you're gonna create a few would be the idea. Uh, anybody anybody surfing around looking at that, or maybe they heard about Tiafimo Lopez's last fight is gonna look at that and say, you know, what what the hell is what the hell is this? I mean, I thank God it know. didn't get a big rating. Actually, <laughs> you yeah, know, yeah, it is exactly. Like, it's probably better it only did that number. You know what? What's crazy is there was a couple times when Lopez got sick of following him and he, and he ushered him in. And actually, yep. Ortiz landed some good shots. It's like you should have blended that. Like you said, land right. a couple and then get out. I understand you're not going to come forward against Lopez the whole time because he's right. going to counter you. But, man, just a mixture of, like, a minute of the round, if he would have just mixed some of that in, um, I think he would have. He could have won the fight then, maybe. Yeah, and what I'm going to say though too is, I don't think this has been said enough, but because his other performances were better, they weren't against Tiafima Lopez, but still, uh, we hadn't seen him fight this timidly and poorly. Uh, you got to say. He was he was intimidated because he's got better skills than that. And when you just when you just I mean he was he was taking zero chances in this fight. I mean not a little bit of chances. I mean zero chances. And the type of chances I'm talking about is just what you said, Chris. Where you know at least you, you go in, you land some shots, and then you move out. He he wouldn't even do that. Uh, so I think you know when you when you fight, when you fight. Quote, and I'm using the term fight loosely, uh, like that. I mean, that, that's just that's you're intimidated by the opponent. I mean, it, it really was just running, and you know, Ortiz. To me, the moment got to him there because yes, we know Tiafimo can punch and he's got offense and he's fast, but the the guy was just the guy was just running, just like you said, not using skills that really were in his toolbox. You know, I mean, he could, you know, Ortiz is capable. We've seen it in other fights. And, you know, again, it's not like Lomachenko is a chump. You know, so it's like, it's not like he he wasn't at a high level before and able to perform respectably. But it just got intimidated by the moment here and the opponent because just, just no engagement and just not really being himself. Uh, and then, you know, Lopez, I do agree. I mean, he can't, you know, top rank, I mean, you're going to do this again. You, you're all, it doesn't mean he has to be in with a chump that he, he just blows away, but you're going to have to get somebody who's just not, you do, I do have to agree with Lopez there. I mean, got to get him somebody that's not going to run. I mean, this just isn't right for the fans. And what I challenge people, I saw what you saw, Chris, like people that, that to me should know better too, like, Oh, I had Ortiz winning at nine to three, and and I'm going to challenge those people and say, you know, what what kind of a sport do you want to watch or are you advocating for? You're you're giving that guy a fight nine to three, 
Um, really, what what do you, what do you now? Look, we know you risk head injury in boxing. Uh, it's not to be taken lightly. You know, I, I'm not on the bandwagon about fighters having to fight more for that reason. The elite guys, I, I don't. I'm not on that. I think we do have to evolve. But to me, there, there's at some point where you know the sports entertainment. And I would submit to those people who had Ortiz winning 9-3. I don't even think he fought this well, but you had that amateur punch counting system, you know, that was tried for, you know, a couple decades and got taken away because it doesn't work. I mean, the fights, the fights are unwatchable. Um, you know, that, that's where you still see guys left with that. I mean, even guys at the top like Bivol, you can see a little of that school, you know, where he jumps in and out. You know, we've seen it with other guys that had a lot of amateur fights. Uh, you know, of of all nationalities who who had to fight in that you know or had coaches really who were bringing fighters up in that system for decades where you know you you land a couple punches didn't matter how hard they were and you jump out you know the idea being I, I'm beating you two to zero oh. in other words you know I land two I jump out you don't hit me I'm up on the amateur scorecard two two points to zero um, you know but, but they they disposed of that because it was so bad. And it just didn't work. Uh, so that's what I'm saying. To, and, and I don't even think, you know, Ortiz wasn't even fighting that good. But that's what I'm challenging anybody who's got a 9-3 there. You know, we know that doesn't work for the sport. I mean, that was tried in the amateurs, that type of a thing. It doesn't work. So this is professional boxing. You know, what kind of a sport are you willing to watch? I mean, I, I'm not willing to watch Jermaine Ortiz run around the ring for 12 rounds uh, past midnight on the East Coast on a, on a Thursday going into a Friday morning. Uh, I did it, and, and I went to bed disgusted, frankly. I said, this is just crap for the sport to have people trying to watch Tiafimo Lopez again after a big performance, and we're, we're sitting up there in the East Coast after midnight with just absolute garbage. And, you know, we didn't have a competitive undercard. Uh, so it, it was a really I, – I, I thought it was a really bad night for boxing. I, I, I will go that far and say that. I, I firmly believe that. Um, yeah, so, I mean, kind of weird what would be next when you really break it down um, for Tiafimo because, you know, Matias just signed with the zone. Ramirez is with Golden Boy. Barboza's with Golden Boy. Uh, a lot of the other ones, Richard Hitchens with, with the zone, with Matchroom. Um, even like uh, Merkaya, he'd have to come up, you know. Would that be a fight that would entice Tio? Or maybe it would be, uh, you know, maybe if they put up the right money, you know, it would be Keyshawn. But he'd have to go up. Not, not a big jump, though. Uh, he's not a small, small guy or anything like that. The only one that he was talking about, and, you know, like we'll talk in a little bit, Ryan Garcia, Devin Haney fighting, maybe they could make that fight. Maybe uh, the winner or whatever. That, that's a possibility. Um, the one that Tio was, or Teo was really talking about was Bud, Bud Crawford. Um, and he started throwing in catch weight in there. Um, and many people just assume he meant from 140 to 147, which obviously, you know, I, there's no way Crawford's going to do a catchweight. But he clarified that in, in a, two interviews saying 
he would fight him from 147 to 154 if, if in fact, Crawford didn't want to stay at welterweight anymore. Um, but, I, I, you know, if they were to fight, it'd probably be at 147 because then you got the lineal. He talks about how yep. he wants to get the third lineal and stuff like that. That's really the only hope for a big fight for him, in my opinion, right now. Um, like I said, maybe Devin Haney and him could fight and they could do a cross-promotional thing. Maybe, um, you know, it would be uh, Haney coming over and signing another little short-term deal to get that fight. Um, but without the Haney-Garcia winner, um, I, I mean, it seems like Bud Crawford or Keyshawn Davis, and I don't think they're going to put Keyshawn in with them. I guess Shakur Stevenson, but the, when, when that's mentioned – He's saying, you know, I would have to do a catchway too that he doesn't want to go to 140. So the Stevenson would be a great fight, um, and obviously so would Crawford. That'd be an interesting matchup. But otherwise, a lot of a lot of the you know top rank had 140 for a second, and now most of it's either at Golden Boy or Matchroom. Yeah, you make a good point. They're going to have trouble coming up with a good in-house option for him to do another ESPN appearance, which is, for boxing's sake, what you'd like to see. You figure a Stevenson fight, they'd be looking pay-per-view. Even though Lopez and Stevenson were gaining some momentum in the ratings, though, I think after these last performances, um, some you know, I'm not saying they can't get the momentum back. I definitely think both of them can, but I, and I think they both have the personalities that the fans are interested in. But, like, let's say I don't think it'll happen, but let's say you were you were to have a Stevenson Lopez pay per view, uh, you know, at the end of the summer or something like that before uh, the NFL really heated up. I mean, with the performances they're coming off of, I think you'd have too many fans squeamish about buying it, thinking like, well, "Am I going to pay for a sleeper here?" Um, you know, eighty eighty bucks for a sleeper. I, I, I think I don't think. I don't think they'll do it, but I think that even that that's not not at a maximum timing now because of what they're both coming off of because that was another one of those matchups like Stevenson and De Los Santos. It's not that De, De Los Santos was the A-plus guy you'd like to see him fighting, but he he brought some pop. You know, he, he was good enough. Right. You would have thought it would have been a little bit – I'll even give top rank that. You know, you would have thought that would have been a little better fight and that Stevenson yeah. – learned his lesson, he didn't, he didn't. And, uh, you know, now, now they're stuck with, with having, having put that on and having put, uh, you know, Lopez and uh, Ortiz on. I mean, they're just, look, you know, love him or hate him. And, and I always find him, I've always found him interesting to listen to because he's not afraid to say stuff. I did say that Dan Raphael, I, I kind of had to take note of this because in this case, I think it's true. You know, Larry Merchant just turned 93, and I, apparently Dan Raphael got to talk to him this week. And uh, Merchant said that Stevenson, Milo Santos, and Lopez Ortiz were two of the worst fights he's ever seen in his life. And, you know, the guy's 93 years old. He's been watching boxing forever. And that might, in other words, it could be true. Like, that's how bad they were. So, you know, it's it's bad. It, you know, it, it's it's bad. Um you know, we're kind of we're kind of in this um, bad run where 
look, even fights that should have been good. I mean, even though the performance was like a breakout in that sense for Crawford, like Spence Crawford, you know, didn't turn out good. KO against Garcia, which is, again, good good for Tank, but, the you know, the fight didn't turn out that memorable. Those are things like you were saying, Chris, like it's just kind of luck of the draw. Um, even these top-ranked fights should have been a little better than they were, but the draw has been bad. You know, you're, you're getting some lower fight, weight fights that are better, but I'm still going to say there, there's just a limit to the saleability of the lower weights, you know, especially the lower you get. Whether you think that's fair or not, it's just the way it is. Uh, it's kind of staying that way. So I, I don't think that becomes a long-term answer. I mean, some of it, yes, but but all of it, no. So um, I think out of all the promotions, there, there, there really needs to be some answers soon about just making some, making some good fights. You know, everything's got a little of the showcase aspect to it, and and you know, just just make some damn, make some damn good fights. But they're all doing it, like you know, where your guy that you've built up might lose. I mean, you just you're gonna just have to start doing it some because there's just not not enough good, not a, just not enough good fights being made. I mean, or maybe the ones that have been made, bad luck, but whatever the reasons, you know, we're we're not we're not getting we're not getting enough good fights. So this weekend, or was there any other items that you'd like to talk about? I mean, obviously, you know, from the last weekend, you know, the 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 UK stuff. I did think that um, that fight with uh, Dylan and Bellotti was pretty decent. Craig Richardson was coming back. He he was in an okay fight, but pretty one-sided. Um, the Shiraz with the the quick little KO with Williams that was nice. That it you know uh, I think Yard was on yeah Yard was on that undercard. Uh, anything other items? Because a lot of that was just kind of wishy-washy. You know, not 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 all that. Uh, yeah. you know, Yard just keeps. Yard, you know, he loses to the good guys he fights, and then he, he fights the, this dreadful opposition. I think, like I said even before this past week, that I, I think he gets together with Buatzi. I think Buatzi is going to KO him. Um, but I was really impressed with Shiraz. Without sounding like going overboard, you know, look, Liam Williams at his best in legitimate rankings, a fringe top ten guy, but pretty good offensive skills. Um you know, he's, he's been dropped in the past, but he's, he's been overall durable. And, you know, Shiraz came out. I mean, that, that was, like, reminiscent of, like, when Thomas Hearns would, would like, blast a solid guy out of there. Um, maybe not with the exact same, you know, he dropped him with a jab and stuff. But, you know, Hearns had that, that, that you know, ramrod jab and, of course, the right hand, the left hook to the body with the speed. I mean, I'm not saying Shiraz is Hearns, but he's got that height for middleweight 6'3", as a middleweight. Um, right. You know, it, it, it did give you that excitement, like when a Hearns would just get in there with a guy. Like, because even the way, you know, Thomas Hearns was one of my favorite fighters of all time, you know, watched his career extensively. And, you know, it reminded me of what Hearns would do to a solid guy, you know, like, like, He'd be in there with a solid guy. I mean, of course, you know, took the very best in his prime, you know, Sugar Ray Leonard, Marvin Hagler, you know, some of the great fighters of all time. 
to, you know, be able to solve his puzzle and beat him. And, and, and the other guys, like, you know, it would be solid guys, and they'd be just kind of standing out there, like, at their normal range. And you, you just couldn't, you know, you couldn't do that with Hearns. Like, all of a sudden it was like, you know, boom, boom, and, you know, you know the fight was over. Um, like, you, you didn't have a chance to, to do anything else and adjust. And it, it just reminded me that, like, you know, Williams was coming in. He was going to kind of stand at his normal range, do his normal thing, and Shiraz started unloading on him, and the fight was over. Uh, I was really impressed. I think it was a perfect thing would be we've been talking about the Matchroom versus Queensbury. I mean, Matchroom has Austin Williams. You know, Queensbury's got Shiraz. That would be a perfect fight. Uh, I mean, I tweeted yeah. that right after the fight. I see that has been even now mentioned by, I think, Boxing News in the U.K. was mentioning it. And, and you know, I, I've seen that mentioned now. And, I mean, why not? I mean, you know, Hearns is saying, well, talk about signing guys. You don't have to sign somebody. There, there's a perfect one right there. The, the level's right. It would be an example of a potentially good fight like I'm talking. Like, you know, just make a damn good fight. You know, like, this is where we run into problems. Like, well, then Hearn's going to get worried. Well, I don't know if I want Austin Williams to lose to Shiraz. And, you know, I'm not saying Warren. I could see Hearn doing that more than Warren. Warren, maybe I'm wrong, but it, it seemed like maybe he'd be more willing to take the risk. But, you know, all the promoters do it. So, you know, maybe, you know, and if Warren starts saying, oh, no, Shiraz, you know, we got him on a on an upward roll, you know, that's, that's too dangerous. You know, we're going to have him fight Haney or something like, you know, Haney may be coming off an upset, but he's got no chance against Shiraz. I see that mentioned. I mean, that, that's going to be another one on the highlight reel, reel for Shiraz. I'll, I'll say that one right now too. So I don't want to see that. Uh, I'd like to see a better step up uh, because who knows, maybe Shiraz is, is so good. He does it to Austin Williams. That that's what I want to see. Like a fight, where, yeah, where, that'd be the point of that. Exactly. That's right. That's the point. Like we make a fight that we think is going to be a good fight, and then maybe one guy gets blown out, and then we all go, "Oh wow!" You know, we thought this was going to be a really good fight. Like then you're like excited just for the guy that pulled off the great performance because you thought it was going to be a good fight, not when it's some showcase thing. Um, so that this is the kind of fights we need. I mean, the Saudis going to put up the money, give them some, give them something for the money. You know, I, I hope. That's what's always got harder for the TV networks over the years. Like, you know, when HBO and Showtime were in it in earlier days, you saw how, like, they would hold out more with quality control of the fights for what they were paying for. And then it was like as the years would go by, they'd get frustrated and they had the lower standards to keep stuff on with what the promoters were offering them, and they end up out of boxing. I mean, it, of course, it was up. Uh, a cycle of decades, but I do think that's how the cycle went. So what I'm saying is uh, his, his excellency needs to hold to the quality, hold to the quality control. Don't make the mistakes that over the years Showtime and HBO got worn down with, uh, you know, say, Hey, look, if I'm going to pay for the match room versus Queensberry, I want fights like Shiraz Williams. I don't, I don't want some garbage or her, like you said, Chris, last week, Hearn talking about signing guys for the card, you know, like, wait a second, Hearn, that's not the idea, you know, that, that you're going to sign some guy that you got no interest in, and that's going to be your part of the deal. No. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, I, you know, but Shiraz, Shiraz did legitimately impress me. He looked like a legit top yeah. 10 guy. Uh, and yeah. so that, that was actually a good moment of the weekend, because I think Williams, he was at least enough of a, 
enough of a decent opponent that yeah. it's not like you thought it was going to be a great fight, but it, it was enough to make you take note. At his level, that's a fine fight, just like we're talking about, you know, a couple fighters around that. Right. I think that would be, you know, that would be good. Um, and by the way, it was reported that the talks are already well on their way to it for a summer fight between Buatzi and Anthony Yard. So, um, and that was reported by Boxing News. Also, I believe Talk Sport or somebody else was actually interviewing Yard. And uh, it sounds like that's where they're going. So, um, and that's something we talked about after the Buatzi fight. Like, hey, that would be a good opponent. And then maybe end the year with Callum Smith. Like, you know, if you want some UK fights, which shouts out to the UK, man, they need some fights there, you know. Not just yeah, in prime time. That would be good yep. fights. The crowd would get behind that. And I think those fights can attract maybe even a bigger crowd or, or they could sell, you know, they could sell the tickets maybe even a higher price than maybe they could a couple of years ago because, you know, they, they've been, there's been, you know, a lot of UK-based stuff has gone to Saudi. AJ's in Saudi now. You know, Fury's in Saudi. So, it would be nice, and, and, and if you make that in the summer, that would be that would be ideal. And uh, I agree. I think he would probably knock him out, but it's worth seeing it. That's for sure. Um, that's a good fight. It, it is and then, fight, you know, though. if he fought so early, could get three fights in this year. Yeah, that would fall into the let's make some good fights category score for me. It's not an attempt to just showcase somebody. It's an attempt to make a good fight. That's yep. that's what we really, really got to get to. Just, I mean, even if not like super blockbuster matchups, it's almost the, the more frequent fights that almost more as important in that sense. We we right, we need just some some good fights made. And uh, one thing I wanted to clarify, Chris, because I I hadn't read it as in depth as you apparently did when you saw that Variety um, article last week. But I want to be clear. I don't want to be mistaken. Like I didn't see the part that ESPN was going to be part of the deal like you did. I didn't quite get to it as in-depth. I was looking at the Variety article then that I think you said you saw about that new sports streaming combo. And so I wanted to, you know, you had already analyzed that correctly. I hadn't quite gotten to that that part and didn't realize that. So I want to jump on what you said because me, that that actually then is a big head-scratcher. What what the hell happened? Something really? Then what's gone wrong with ESPN Plus? I mean, I thought that it's was like. Are you just yeah, folding that, that in then? Like you yeah. just <laughs> then to to add more uh, scratch your head moments. Next fall or two falls from now, sorry, 2025. The rumored there's going to be a ESPN app straight up. That's they still have plans for that. It's like, well, hold on now. Yeah, Aren't you making uh, this a little too quick? You're still getting pretty good ratings on your cable. So, so, yeah. so does ESPN Plus fold into that and they say, hey, we already have this. We're streaming live, so we're just going to turn it into that? It just seems weird to do that and do this now. I, I, it's uh, Go ahead. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. It, no, no, I, I just interrupted you. My bad. But, no, you made a really good point there. Now I, I am. I'm flabbergasted. I'm perplexed. But I think maybe I got some more insight today as I was reading it. I, I keep up with these aspects of things, too, uh, the TV. So, when, like, and I know you do, too. When we're talking about the TV and the broadcasting, I mean, we, we, 
we read this stuff. I, I do have, you know, my, my, my undergrad degree decades ago, so uh, I, I've always still uh, tried to maintain, though, in that sense. Um, you know, Paramount is laying off people this week, and in reading those articles, it said that their streaming has lost, uh, with a B, $1 billion so far. Lost $1 billion. Right, so and they're not included Bob, in that. And they're not included right, in right. that sports stream. I noticed that, right. too. They're not even in the sports stream. Because that's they the missing one, link is CBS one, uh, for the one college billion dollars. really. So when when boxing got booted and didn't get picked up, there's a lot going on there. And that doesn't mean it's good for boxing. Like some people say, oh, there's other factors. Yeah, there's other It showed that they were part of the not part of the solution. They were part of the problem. So uh, $1 billion, I couldn't believe $1 billion lost on their streaming so far. Uh, and they're having layoffs. So this does go back to an article that I had read a few years ago, which kind of saw this coming, but thought the solution was going to be different. And I, I discussed it with you, Chris, too, a few years ago. Uh, that was when I think I'd read that in Forbes or something like that, or Variety at the time. You know, a lot of a lot of people in the industry were thinking things might swing back to cable because. Uh, you know, which is a la carte with the streaming was too expensive and that, that people were eventually going to say, hey, you know, I, I can't pay for a million streaming apps. This is worse than cable. I'll just go back under my cable umbrella. Now, it seems like it's shifted where it's not going to go back to that, but now I, I have – well, I did read that in the Variety article, so I guess you saw it too. Uh, they were saying that they, they do believe that concept is has kind of hit, and it's why these – Streamers are losing all this money, but the correction might be now. They originally thought the correction was going to be kind of a return to cable. Now they think it might be something like a just basically the streaming version of cable, where you know you're right. going to pay like some a company. power bundle. Like yeah. if you're a sports <laughs> fan and the only reason why you're hanging on the cable is because you're a sports fan, we got something for you. Yeah, or you're gonna get, or you're, or or through streamers, it's gonna be some kind of bundle where you got like, you know, thirty of streaming channels under one app, and it's just like your old cable, but you're gonna be paying that kind of money. So yeah, yeah, that it it, it, it does. So this, but th- these are signs, and, and we met Paramount today. It, it looks like the kind of panacea that people are looking at the streaming where you're just going to pick a few apps and, and you're going to save all this money from cable. And that's why people are cutting the cord that that model's not going to work for the industry. <laughs> so they're going to be back consolidating and, you know, you're, you're going to be paying more like a cable type thing for a bunch of streaming channels. And it actually looks like this sport thing might be kind of the first, the very first wave of that because it's all the big players and, like yeah. Saying, what, yeah, the only one the missing NBA, is uh, CBS and uh, NBC, and they because they said NFL because NBC and CBS has that, and then obviously the college football, but or you know, well, college football, but also college basketball, the March Madness. But they also said it's going to be somewhere in between. It's not going to be eighty like YouTube cable, but it's not going to be twenty or thirty. So it sounds like it's going to be like forty or fifty dollars. Yeah, we're heading 
we're heading. It looks like it looks like we're heading back towards. This is the first step of heading back towards something like cable. Um, it, it just looks like the industry needs that uh, to do what they want to do and make the kind of money they want to make. Uh, so yeah, I think we're in the first steps of some kind of a hybrid uh, world is what we're heading to. And then, you know, it does indirectly tie in and, you know, it, it keeps you sober with your boxing ratings. I mean, of course, it's their biggest event, but you get the Super Bowl, just set a record like 120.4 million. Yeah. You know, there's some streaming involved, but it's still old CBS. So, you know, that that's still where your massive, at, at this stage, that's still where your massive right, yeah, numbers yeah. are from. Yeah, it's interesting. It, it just feels like, that's why I said the ESPN, are they going to fold it into that ESPN plus, but then they, you know, after we talked, they, there was plenty of reporters that said, no, ESPN is still basically planning to come out with a streaming version of all. So all their content is going to be on that. And then that, that really confuses me because it's like, well, hold on. So you have your content on cable for cable subscribers. Then you have your content on an ESPN straight up, which I can, I understand that part, not a ESPN plus, but just fold that into, listen, if you don't want cable, here you go. If you're a sports fan, you don't want cable. I gotcha. But to also have the content on this other sport, it's like, so I'm going to pay $45, let's say for that. And then ESPN's going to have, you know, like, and then ESPN, how much is that going to cost? And like, it just, right. it just, that seems weird to me. And I also heard that the NBA and NFL is like, well, hold on now. You know, you guys still got to pay individually for these. You know, don't don't get crafty and act like it's going to just be one payment now to you guys. You know, you guys still, the rights, they're having a little issues now coming, coming back to them saying, hey, you know, the next time we're up for rights, which is a while because they just re-upped on, uh, on a lot. NBA is about to, you know, get their deal done at some point, but – they also were like, well, hold on now. What do you mean? So 80% or 75% of the sports market is going to be on that app. It's still going to be individual to us, you know, so that's kind of a weird way to do it too. But, yeah, I don't. I, how long of an investment are they all tied into that? Because it seems like the ESPN thing is like, then I really don't get it, John. Because if all your stuff's already available on a sports app, why would you do an individual ESPN app then, with all your stuff on? It just yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't get it. Like a I don't lot get of it money, either because you know? I thought the ESPN Plus was growing enough, but when I see the, I'm with you when I see this kind of stuff. No, it it must have stalled out short of you know what what they were hoping had to hoping for their expectations. So um, yes, it's going to swing back at least. It looks like or they're going to try to swing it back at least to some kind of hybrid of the way cable has traditionally been. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. It'd be interesting. Speaking of ESPN Plus, Oshaki Foster coming off a, a really tough fight going against Abraham Nova. Um, the zone has a Thursday night card and a Friday night card. Pro Box TV, not Wednesday this week. On Friday, there is that, uh, that rematch between um, – uh, Curiel and Nanshinga, which I think actually will be a better fight than the first one. Um, 
you know, because that was like a second-round knockout, <laughs> which I didn't expect that to happen. Um, so I think that's a good fight. That's going to be on the zone. That's on Friday. Any uh, thoughts on, on any of these fights uh, coming up this weekend? Because it's, it's, you know, on the rematch, he came in a big favorite over Kiero the first fight. Now he's a slight underdog because, obviously, that, uh, that you know, that knockout. Uh, but any any items you'd like uh, to talk about, whether it's, uh, um, you know, this weekend or, or, you know, obviously we'll get to the Ryan Garcia and, and, uh, and Devin Haney fight. There is also Nunez. I almost forgot about this. Nunez and Rakamov. That's, that's happening um, on Friday as well. And that's a closely matched. Nunez is only a, like a plus 165, plus 175, plus 154. Any items like that you'd like to talk about, John? Yeah, uh, yeah Foster has been, been continued to be on this good roll. Um, I mean, he's not a big he's not a big puncher, but you know he, he is a good boxer. He, he's been uh, he's been on a good roll. I mean, you know, Nova's okay. He's he's not a he's not a bad fighter. It's it's okay for ESPN. It's it's not really going to move the needle. Um, you know, they're, they're kind of building up Foster. Like, that's not really going to happen. I mean, uh, his his main role, I think, will end up being, you know, fighting one of their other guys, like, like Navarrete or Stevenson or something like that. I mean, I kind of think that's why he's there and giving him a couple of fights of exposure before he gets one of those fights. That, that's what I always thought from the beginning, at least. Um, so it's a, it's a fight he should win. Uh, you know, he, again, he's not a puncher. Don't think it'll be a stoppage. You know, just hopefully, again, with the problems we've had, hopefully, hopefully since Foster is you know, coming off an entertaining fight, but since he is a uh, since he is a boxer by nature uh, who, who doesn't have pop, hope it doesn't devolve into another boring fight. Uh, you know, think Foster should win a decision, but uh, I, I hope hope the fight at least has some entertainment value. And I guess. Carrington's going to be on the card also. I do hate these showcases, but and it, it, it ties in with, I do think, you know, they both happen to be with top rank, but um, I do think that's coincidental uh, in the sense that I do think Carrington and Abdullah Mason really are the two best prospects I've seen lately. You know, one Mason a lightweight, Carrington a featherweight. They really do. They, top rank just happens to have them, but they they look like the best, pretty much the best prospects I've seen lately. So, uh, at least in that sense, if they keep stopping people, rather have them not be a showcase fight, better opponents, but they, they do seem to be guys worthy of the exposure. If they keep moving them quick enough, they got to me. They got to make sure they they move them quick enough. These guys don't need to be babied. You can get them in with better opponents, but they are the guys you want to feature. I mean, I think Mason. With this knockout entertainment value, he's already providing uh, at lightweight. Hey, you know, get get this guy on the main card. He, he's knocking he's knocking people out. You know, get get him that exposure, and it looks like he'll he'll make it pay off for you. So, uh, Carrington is another guy to me like that. I mean, I, I I you hate the showcase part, but I do think him and Mason are arguably the two best prospects out there right now. So they are. They are uh, they are worthy of watching, but um, that's that's the main well. They had Ali's grandson showcasing, so they could showcase those guys. Yeah, that that was just 
I mean, that, I, I wasted up, you know, wasted opportunities, um, just wasted spots, wasted opportunities. It's just a, that's the thing with this top rank deal. You know, they, they seem like they're going into a certain direction, and then it just kind of seems to meander off into nothing. Like it, like just like you said, like the Ali, the Ali's grabbed something. Not that he should have ever been there, but they're 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 promoing him, and uh, they're they're going to use him for exposure, and then. It's it's obvious what he is, and it, and it fades off. And then another time, they're they're signing a bunch of heavyweights, and then they don't put them together, and the contracts expire and they fade off. There just seems to be a lot of that in this deal to me. Um, these these are still, you know, you and I agree that that Friday night's fight series generally was not good. People nostalgize over it when it just wasn't good. Um, yeah, so just because it was on world, every week. You know, right. it's like, okay, you're right, it's on every week, but that didn't mean it was that great. The, the fights were mostly unwatchable. It was on every week, but they were mostly unwatchable. Um, but these, like I'm saying, like these are these are much higher level fights than that. So people say, look at pauses. I'm going to say that. That's still to me like there's still a positive from the deal that like there, there are better quality fighters on yes. ESPN than there were before this deal. That's that's still even to this day a positive, but like I, I just but I don't see the most being made at the deal. It, it is progress. Um, like even this fight with Foster Nova. I mean, I mean these are better than much better than you were getting with those ESPN Friday night fights. But yet they it doesn't seem to be the the potential of the deal being maximized and for me on on the weekend. And then yeah, Haney Garcia. I'm, I'm gonna say I've said it. I'm, I'm, and people seem to be coming around. I mean, I'm in favor of that fight. They they both got you know followings or, or building followings uh, more in Haney's case, and uh, they have a, a legit legit amateur rivalry where they were both top amateurs and split fights, right? Close fights. It's game seven. Um, game seven, John. Yeah. I like how they said that. It's game seven. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I understand that it's the amateurs and it can be different. I get that. But I still think, you know, it's not like, you know, Garcia loses one fight and people people are at and, – and to a top guy who's got one of the best knockout percentages in the sport and people act like he's a complete bum. Um, I, I don't I don't view him that way. I, you know, I, I don't. So uh, – and I still see all kinds of talk like that every day basically on social media and things. So – I don't look at him that way. I mean, you look at his amateur career and everything. So I like it. I mean, even if Garcia does lose to him, I, I still think it's the right it's the right fight to make. You, you know, you, you take a risk here if you're him. And, and Haney, like you said, you, he's like kind of like to me like in the Canelo thing now. Like you, you, you could nitpick some of his recent opposition, but he's fighting a, a better resume now than – He's building a better resume now than everybody else almost has out there. That's like the Canelo thing. You know, you, you criticize some of the opponents, but his resume is 10 times better than everybody else out there. So uh, that that's, Kevin Haney seems like he's slowly turning himself into one of those guys. Yeah, definitely. Most definitely. Well, I appreciate you uh, calling in tonight, and um, you have yourself a good, good weekend, and uh, we'll talk next week. All right, Chris. Thanks. Thanks for having me. As always, talk to you next week. All right. Take it easy. Take care. All right. Um, so, real quick, before I predict some of this stuff, that um, 
Reese uh, Bellotti and, and Liam Dillian fight, that was a good fight. Um, early in that fight, you know, in most of the fight, you did have, uh, you know, Bellotti landing really good counter punches. Um, but, you know, early I'd say Dillian with the jab and his left hooks. Um, and, and then you have Bellotti really pumping that jab, circling him. And, you know, at times Dillian was more like just landing little decent flurries and stuff. And once Bellotti, not with the, not only the jab, but started really landing that left hook to the head and body, whether it was lead, whether it was counter, that was pretty good. The third and fourth run was pretty good, a little back and forth. You had a few nice right hands, hooks, and jabs from Dillian Zoo. Um, and the fight started kind of going inside more, some inside action. Um, and Bellotti was a little bit more stick and move, although in the fifth round he landed some really nice right hands and more body work. Um, midway, like I said, it started to really become like in spots of the rounds, uh, an inside fight, lead right hands from Dillian, uh, Bellotti, nasty left hook. I think it was in the seventh round. Really nice left hook. And, um, and, and you know, I thought he just, you know, kept – he actually started landing his left uppercut, did uh, Bellotti. And uh, I just – you know, there was times where um, Dillian was like – trapping on the ropes and, and, you know, landing combinations. Um, and, and I thought he was jabbing more effectively as the fight went on, especially like in the 10th and 11th. Um, but overall, like lead right hands, he definitely was, you know, some decent exchanges. And, and another thing, Dillian started being able to duck, and, you know, kind of use that head, head movement, upper body movement, then landed left hooks. Um, started looking tired though down the stretch, especially in the last round, and it was kind of arm punchy and whatnot. But Bellotti definitely won that that fight for me pretty cleanly. Um, but as far as though Shockey Foster um, and Abraham Nova, um, you know, Nova is kind of like his guard. He, he keeps his hands pretty low, and he's wide open for left hook. And just for counters in general. Um, now he'll he'll definitely have to cut the ring off. You know what I mean? He'll have to cut the ring and close the gap. Um, otherwise, I think Oshaki can just kind of outbox him, keep him at length. He's gonna have to do what Hernandez did, you know, because if you don't cut the ring and don't trap him, or you know, on the ropes or in the corners or something. Like I said, he'll just pump his jab, pot shot, counter. Um, you know, I think Nova has a lot, like I said, open the left hook. He's got a lot more holes in his defense, but Oshaki Foster does too. Um, you know, that's why when he, you know, he has that, that shoulder roll defense and, um, you know, like the Mayweather Philly uh, shell thing, and he does – he does get hit a fair amount. Hernandez really showed that. Um, but, yeah, as long as he uses his feet more and pumps that jab, gives something Nova to, to, to think about, to slow him down, circle, pivot, that type of thing, 
I don't think we'll see um, as much of a two-way fight as we did last fight. So I do look for uh, Foster to win by a clean decision. Um, like you said, uh, Bruce Carrington, uh, is it Chevalier, I think is on the undercard too. He's uh, um, he's like, I think he's like 20 and, or like 19, one and one or 20, 21, one and one, something like that. Uh, Cortez is a guy that um, I saw a couple people saying that, you know, that they're definitely going to, they're going to pick him. And he is the, or not pick him, but that there could be a possibility that he got get upset is what I meant. Um, because he's a, he's a clean favorite, actually. Let me see. The last time I checked, it was in the 400s. I think there was one in the 300s. Yeah, plus 400. There it is. Plus 350 on uh, BetMGM. Um, so that could be an interesting fight. Um, that Nunez and Rock Mob, I mean, that, that's a pretty good fight, too. So there's some there's some kind of sneaky fights. One of the closely matched uh, Castillo and Sriracha is another one that's really close. I mean, plus 112, plus 112, plus 110. Uh, so that, that, that could go either way. So I do think, although there's not a bunch of fights that have people just, you know, oh, dude, this is going to be a great weekend type thing, I do feel like there is some kind of undervalued type fights. Mauricio Lara is also, um, you know, going to fight. Um, that is Friday as well. On uh, Yeah, it's on the zone. It's on the zone. Now, the other fight that I think is interesting in a rematch is one of the best knockouts uh, of last year. I think it was in was it November that they fought. Adrian uh, Curiel, Adrian Curiel, Curiel, I think it's Curiel. He freaking, you know, kind of a not, well, not kind of, a nondescript guy coming into that fight. Big, big underdog. One of the biggest upsets of the year. And, you know, like, if you look at, um, and like I said earlier, like, now Nanshinga is like, I think it's Nanshinka, Nanshinka. He's all of a sudden the underdog. Now, not by much, right? But, you know, he had that really good fight against Hector Flores where he had to come back in the fight, and he showed a lot of heart in that fight. It's a very competitive fight. But And he was doing really good against uh, Curiel early on, you know. Um, I like his fundamentals, uh, Nanshinka. Got good hand speed. Got a great jab. I like the way he ta- attacks the body with both hands. Um, you know, both of them actually have like some good upper body movement. I would say that um, Nanshinga uses it more because you know he's on the move. Um, but Kirell comes in. He kind of just walks right in. Wasn't I think he needs a jab a little bit more, but he kind of just walks right in and was starting to use that upper body movement. And, I mean, he landed that overhand right. That was perfectly timed in an exchange. And it was nasty. It was nasty. He does have, like I said, he's got that high guard that he kind of protects himself, and he just let loose with some shots. Um, 
So I'm really, like I said, I, I, this was a shocker to most people. I did not see this Curell doing it. I didn't, nothing really told me that this guy is going to win. Um, but yeah, like across the board, it, it's a, it's a tight fight. And, you know, I, part of me thinks, all right, dude, you can get caught in the first two rounds. And the way he got caught was nasty. So, so maybe, you know, yeah. So, so actually, it's only gone up plus one thirty, even a plus one fifty two, plus one twenty two on FanDuel. Um, it's a, it's a tough fight, dude. I really don't know exactly because I want to put on Shinga by decision, but. I don't know, man. This guy might just land another overhand right. So it's a pick em fight, obviously, on paper. I don't know. You know, maybe I just didn't learn my lesson and, and you know, it's not – I mean, he's only got – he doesn't have many fights, if I remember correctly. He only has, like – is this, like, his 14th fight or 13th fight, something like that? Um, yeah, he's 12-1. and one. And like I said, that, that Hector Flores fight, is, it was kind of his best work. Um, otherwise, it's not like he had a ton of good um, wins, per se. But, hey, you know, he, he was kind of trying to set up for unification. You know, I believe that Flores was an IBF title. I don't remember if it was vacant or not. I think it was vacant. I don't know. I can check Box Rock, but I'm too lazy. I'm going to go with the minor upset. I think that you're not going to see um, Curiel being able or Curiel being able to get him on the ropes that quick. Um, he may have just underestimated him, but I, I'm looking forward to this fight. That's on Friday. Most of the action, like I said, is on Friday. I mean, uh, because obviously, you know, there is some, no doubt, um, uh, you know, from – uh, on Saturday, but obviously the Usyk fight and, and the Fury Usyk that that as we know <laughs> got canceled. So, um, you know, but basically top I think top eight probably something like that. I think they're both in the top eight or top seven. Um, you know, at the at the weight class. So, yeah, man, I'm I'm uh, I'm looking forward to that. I'm definitely looking. Um, you know. Looking forward to that. I think that'll be a, a really good fight. I don't know. Something kind of tells me that, uh, you know, it's going to go down like that. But we'll see. We'll see. I think, I think anyway. Um, so, like I said, Ryan Garcia, Devin Haney, April 20th, pay-per-view. I really like the fight. Uh, I know a lot of people just have Haney winning easily. Um, you know, the fact that Obviously, Gar- the biggest thing about Garcia is defense, or lack thereof, right? Um, if he can use his jab and, and he can and he can stay at range, not worrying about you know attacking so much, you know what I mean? Especially early on, you, you don't want to come out with your hair on fire, you know, trying to. I don't know. I, I think Haney with his jab. And, you know, the jab right hand, the left hook, he's starting to mix up his offense more. 
does have solid defense, and a lot of it is his footwork. You know, I don't – I think there will be a problem there. But it's going to take a jab, and it's – you don't want to get stuck just jabbing one at a time because you will get countered. But I don't know. I just think – like a plus 470 with that jab and the power, plus 470, plus 500, I may look at that and then – you know, Haney by decision. A lot of people think Haney's going to knock him out. It could be. You know, maybe he's just chinny. You know, it totally could be. Totally could be. But my guess is, you know, Haney wins the fight. But I just love it for the reasons I've said in the past that for a profile fight, now especially with the, the amount of, you know, talent they have at 140, not all of it's big names, but there's a lot of quality fights that can be made. So I'm really glad they made that fight. Now, Sabril, speaking of talent, Sabril Matias just um, inked a, a multi-fight, but it's co-promotional because he has a promoter with Eddie Hearn Matcher. So, and like I said, whether it's you know with Eddie or with Golden Boy, there is a lot of talent over there at 140. Now, obviously... You know, they'll, they'll probably want to save some of those fights for Ryan Garcia, Golden Boy, right? I mean, it only makes sense. Um, because that was part of signing him, obviously. But, um, yeah, it's a, it's a co-promotional deal because uh, Fresh Productions is, is his promoter. So, you know, we'll see it. You know, it, it sounds like they're definitely going to do, um, you know, they're going to do a fight in Puerto Rico, which is pretty cool. Um, that, that's what we've heard. That's what it sounds like is going to happen. Um, in in um, quotes from a boxing scene um, article, like a press release, Puerto Rico is a boxing country with a long-standing legacy. Expect big things. We see the future ahead of us. We believe in you know the, the plan and one everything. But he said, where is it? Oh, Puerto Rico is a huge market for matchroom and zone. And with Sabril joining Edgar Berlanga and Riviera. Uh, in our stable, we're looking to host some events there. Um, so it looks like they're going to do that. And, uh, you know, Pero is the guy who, uh, you know, who, who it, it appears that that's, that's who they're lining up for the first fight. Now, you know, whether they can get Devin Haney after this fight or not, um, we'll see. You know what I mean? We'll see if that's possible. Um, I, it's it's tough to say. It's tough to say. Um, you know, well, that's I really don't know. <laughs> to be honest, with you. that that maybe it will happen. I'm not saying he duck him or anything. I'm just saying like if there's bigger opportunities, maybe that wouldn't be. But but to get this fight and then you know get another big fight, that would be you know that would be big. That would be really big for him. So, uh, the one thing I'll say, and this is uh, YSM Sports Media with the interview um, with Richardson Hitchens, he said, it, it even says in the headlines, you know, Richardson Hitchens brutally honest on facing Sabril next in the IBF rehydration clause. So, his thing is, I want to, you know, I, I want to be at my best. So I don't want that. I don't want that rehydration stuff. 
And, um, you know, I disagree with it, obviously. Um, I just, it's kind of one of those old saying, you know, beggars can't be choosy. You know, if you're begging for all these big names and you didn't get, now maybe he gets programmed now, right? That's still a good name for him. And maybe he would get Haney. Maybe. that If he did, that would make it worth doing that deal big time, you know, with Matram. But if you don't get Haney, right, and then you don't want to fight Matias because of the, the 140 thing, then move up to 47. I don't know. I, to me, it's like if that's offered to you, and, and, and it has, I'm not saying they offered it to him, right? Um, but they do have on Matchroom and on DAZN in general, they do have a lot of 140 talent over there, right? So, now, like I said, I'm sure Ryan Garcia, Ramirez, or Barboza, I'm sure some of that they want for him, right, for Ryan Garcia, whether it's a loss or a win. But I don't know. Time will tell. You know, time will tell as far as on this fight, if it's, if it's uh, or, you know, not just this fight. The guy he's facing is okay, man. You know, he's got an undefeated record. He's a pretty good fighter. Um, but what is next? Because that was the thing. We went over the offers that were there. PBC didn't really have anybody at 140 that they were putting them in with. He wanted Roley, and then he wanted Gervonta. And then, you know, they were offering him Stanonius and Boots. So I get it. That's not your weight class. That's fair. Um, it didn't seem like they would, in his words anyway, it didn't seem like they wanted, top rank wanted to, you know, have Tiafimo as a valuable or as a, as a, a viable opponent, you know. And he used the word, they couldn't guarantee me. And this has come up, at, you know, a lot in boxing over the years, but especially early because of these multi-fight deals and stuff, you can't guarantee a future fight, period. Now, you can handshake it. You can agree to terms. You can say, hey, if you fight this guy, this is how much we're going to pay you. But there would be no guarantee. There's no guarantee he gets Devin Haney. I hope he does. I think it's an interesting fight. And it's a big fight for Matias, who's been – Grind ever since he took that L, he's been grinding and he's a fun fighter to watch. He's all action. He takes punishment. He delivers punishment, right? And he's been looking for a big fight. And obviously Haney would definitely be that. But there's no guarantee. I think people kind of get lost in that. Think about Holyfield watching the Buster Douglas fight. Now there was a contract waiting for him. And he had agreed, okay, you're going to pay me whatever it was, 20, 21 million or 25 million, whatever it was. So, but the contract's not done. Like signing this multi-fight with Matchroom co-promotion doesn't guarantee anything besides we owe you this money and you owe us fights, right? That type of thing. It doesn't like if they both win their next fights, they'd have to negotiate the Devin Haney. Sabril Matias fight. That's my point. So when he says stuff like, well, they couldn't guarantee me Tia Fimo, 
you know, that would be, you know, kind of a handshake deal. You can agree to terms. You can get down. You can start to negotiate it, no doubt. But just like, um, you know, uh, for um, for Wilder and Joshua, whether it was, you know, through the zone or then the Saudis, it wasn't, it's not guaranteed. It just, this is our plans. This is what we're going to do. This is what we pay you. Do you want to sign with us or sign for these fights? Yes, but it's, you still get to the next fight, then you sign the contract. It's not sign and I have these three fights guaranteed because you never know what the hell is going to happen to the fighter, you know? So it's actually not something you can actually do. Now, there's handshakes. Like I said, there's agreements, and there's like, this is what we plan on doing. And I, and I hope he got he would get a big fight. But Richard Hinchin, I got to admit, I'm, I'm not a big fan of that one, man, because you're looking for a big fight. That's a big fight for you. Um, someone also sent me, oh, yeah, Abdullah beat Roger. He, uh, he kind of outboxed Roger Gutierrez in a UD. And also that Zhang, uh, like he was, he was like really hurt against uh, Romanov, I think it is. Someone sent me this too. Yeah, you're right. I, I did forget to mention that. That's I'm glad that you, you pointed that out. Um, let's see. Oh, actually, I'm going to save that a little bit. Let's talk about this Boots Ennis thing. So, so Boots Ennis is suing. He files a lawsuit. This is Jake Donovan, BoxingScene.com, obviously. Um, files lawsuit against now boxing seeking release and judgment in excess of a million dollars, right? So he's basically saying that they had an agreement and there's, you know, there's a breach in the contract, right? Um, it says the heart of the complaint is focused on and this is gross inactivity in relation to the number of about promises signed to the agreement. Um, in 2019 with Now Boxing. It was a four-year agreement. It called for Ennis to fight four times each in years one and two of the agreement and then three times each in the third and fourth years. Okay? And obviously, he's only ten times in five years signed with Now Boxing, which was previously ran by Cameron Duncan before he passed. Right now, the company, the company is now run by Kelly Duncan, the widow of Cameron, right? And his legal team cite that she doesn't have, you know, experience in that realm. Um, and and it says furthermore, the complaint alleges that Ennis has not been offered any fights by the company since July 9th. So I think people kind of get some people think he's with the PBC. And it's just not true. It's ne- he never has been. Um, he had some issues where he tried to get out of something. He had a management and a promoter, and he turned it, Duncan turned it into a promoter, and that's who he signed with. Now, that was a mistake. But then again, you know, if you look at what they said he was going to do, 
So in year one, they gave him three bouts. Year two, two bouts. Now, obviously, COVID's in year two. Um, year three, two bouts. But year four is only one bout. And, you know, it has been tough for Showtime because he signed a separate deal with Showtime. But it, it has been tough for Showtime to get him opponents. That's for sure. But his promo- if you have a promoter, right, that's who owes you the fights all the way. I highly doubt, well, because Showtime would be in here then. This would be in the lawsuit, because I don't think they'd guarantee him four fights in back-to-back years or even three fights in a year, you know. So, um, and, you know, he fought two separate eliminators. Now he is, you know, like the IBF titleist, but now, you know, there was an agreement there saying, if he became champion, it would be an automatic, you know, uh, extension. So we'll see. Because it was it was uh, Victory Boxing. That's who he was previously partnered with. Um, and that was a fracture. He even says become fractured. So, uh, you know, following the split, he went with Duncan and whatnot. But so, I don't know, man. Um, it, it, you know, it seems like he's trying to get out of it. He wants the, like, you know, the uh, agreement voice, basically. Um, and, you know, is he going to get out of this and then just sign with the BBC? If he wants big fights at 47 or especially at 54 at some point, too, it would really make sense to do that, right? Um, now, he did say, see y'all soon, like he's got a fight. Uh, he was supposed to be on the undercard of, uh, sounds like he was supposed to be on the undercard of Thurman and uh, Zoo, but, uh, and he was going to fight Barrios. That's something that was, you know, I guess Barrios was the only one who accepted the fight, but he said he needed more time. That's what uh, someone, the this is from Cornerman Boxing on YouTube, uh, that's what, um, Boozy said, or Bozzy. Um, he said, so this is the quote. He said, they asked him what's going on, any dates. He said, we're, we were supposed to fight March 30th. Barrios was the only one accepted, but he said he need more time. Now we're waiting to do fight in May on Canelo's card. So, um, and then there's also something that got released saying that, um, you know, they expect that date. But Barrios, James, and Ellis, North Stanionis, are not the current candidates as opponents now. Um, however, Gabriel Galala, Venezuela, Goez, um, fought twice on Canelo's undercard, the Ryder fight, and then he just had that Steve Spark fight. He said that um, that's like the leading you know, candidate. I think it's uh, according to the IBF ratings is what someone said. So I really don't know. Um, if he needed more time, though, Barrios, would that be enough then? I don't know. I'm not really sure about all that. So we'll see. Hopefully it does get, you know, figured out. Um, because, you know, It'd be nice to get him back in the ring. But, yeah, I mean, it was pretty questionable, I'd have to say, not to just sign with the PBC straight up once you were out of that. But, 
maybe part of getting out of it, you know, happened to be, well, I'll just sign here. I mean, he did get the showtime, so whatever. I don't know. I'm not sure. Hopefully, though, when he gets out of this, that he'll just sign with the PBC and they can, because they're not going to give you your full push, just like anybody else. If you don't sign, you know, we saw Devin Haney had to find a, you know, three-fight deal to get big fights. Like, it, it just happens, you know. Um, someone sent me this. Yeah, Teofimo Lopez on the uh, ESPN broadcast, they had him 19-0. and 0. Yeah, they, they took away an L, so that's <laughs> kind of interesting. Um, let's see. So, oh, here's a good, here's a good little, uh, so, well, actually, let's just go over the news before we get to any kind of boxing Twitter. So it is official now, April 27th in England in Leeds, in the first direct arena in Leeds, uh, on the zone straight up, not pay-per-view, <coughs> Taylor and Catterall rematch. Long time coming. But it is what it is. Um, interesting fight, especially for Taylor coming off a loss. You know, whatever. It works, I think. Um, I like this fight as far as moving someone from a prospect to a full-on contender and then working your way from contender to being in the title fight. Elijah Garcia and Tyron Davis. That's who's going to be the main event for the PBC on Prime March 30th. You know how they do the prelims? There's going to be a two-hour slot um, of prelims, just like it was on Showtime, right? So Or Fox, too. Um, so Elijah G- Garcia and Kyron Davis. And the other one is the one we knew about, Martinez and Cordova. But, you know, obviously you gotta you got to wait till they're in the ring on that one because we know that's, <laughs> that's had an issue there. But, uh, yeah, I, I really like it, man. I think that's a good fight for him. You know, Kyron Davis is, is gonna. I think it's a ten rounder. He's gonna he's gonna give him a good fight. He's shown out in some of these fights. Benavides, you know, pretty much handling, but no no surprise there. This is back at one sixty as well. Um, so yeah, I think it's a good fight. I think it's a really good fight for his stage where he's at. And so I do have some interest in five out of the six fights. Now we do have some some bad news. Ben Davison was talking to Box News Plus and Boxing News Plus, sorry. And he said that Lee Wood, um, he doesn't know what his next move is because the the Warrington fight um, that was supposed to be at City Ground is now off the table. It sounds like they're willing to do it, you know, in, in way advance, but it's too long to wait. So that sucks, man. I was kind of looking forward to that rematch. Um, here's the, someone put this out as Connor Ben and Danny Garcia. This is YSM sports media again. Um, when he talked about Connor Ben and Danny Garcia, at 54 Garcia, I'd love to fight him at 54. I think it makes great sense. He wants to fight a big name. Ain't no bigger fight fighting Danny Garcia. I watched the Ben Dobson. I think he did good. Fought had skills. So, you know, that makes a lot more sense than him and Tank um, because at least, you know, Danny's just bigger or whatever, right? Um, and we'll get to some, some more of that later. Um, so, yeah, that that's kind of interesting. Um, I don't know. Well, well, I don't know.
don't know if they, I mean, if they want a big name, that would be a big name. And I wonder if he'd go to the UK. But I wonder, you know, that goes on the hearing that's coming up to make sure they can fight in the UK. But he could fight, he could fight in the Barclays here, you know. Um, talking to DAZN Boxing, Devin Haney um, says, you know, he expects to beat Garcia. We've seen Ryan quit before. I think that this won't be any different. Um, once you have quit in you, it's installed in you, you know how to do it. I think you'll quit in April 20th. He also went on to say he's the new face of boxing, which, you know, he's just saying that. It is what it is. No biggie. You know, he's obviously not, but that's just, you know, of course he's going to say what he's going to say. Um, before we get to the Canelo stuff, because there's been some really – like all over the top. Oh yeah, Shakur Stevenson. He's back, guys. He's back. The long, long retirement. Oh wait, no, it wasn't. This is Keith Eidick in the headlines talking about, you know, he does top rank. Bob Arum does think he'll get a long term deal. Signed with him. They um according to a report, ESPN.com, Michael Coppinger last week that Stevenson turned down a five-fight extension that would have paid him $15 million. That's pretty damn good. Obviously, if there's a bigger fight in there, you know, against a bigger name, maybe, you know, it'd be worth more than $3 million, but that's pretty good. But Aaron replied saying it's not even a question. He feels like, you know, they're going to be able to get a contract extended. Um they have some names for him there, obviously with Navarrete and Lomachenko and some of the other guys, Mur- Murtaya and stuff like that. But he said, I talked to Prince and Antonio at the fight Friday na- or Thursday night. Shakur is going to fight in June, and we got to figure out an opponent for him because he does have one fight on the deal. Um, but yeah, he, he made it sound like he's going to get signed. Up, you know, he's going to get it done. Now, someone said Showtime and PBC bad business has caused this, and, oh, he will not be the last. It's like we're watching the Titanic ship sink with PBC. He's talking about it's Showtime and PBC's fault for Boots. But remember, when you have a promoter, right, that's the promoter's job to get you fights. He's not signed with the he does have a Showtime fight, but, you know, if Showtime guaranteed four fights or even three fights, they'd be in, they'd be in the damn lawsuit. And did he sign in 2019? I don't believe so. I thought that was a little later than that. Uh, there was some rumors out there that F.A. Jogba and Ortiz, King Kong Ortiz is going to fight April 13th, Corpus Christi. We know that, um, you know, Jared Anderson is going to fight that night uh, in Corpus Christi. So would that be the co-feature? Um, I don't know. We'll see. That'd be kind of interesting. Um, there's also, so I'm going to hold off on the other uh, fight rumor because it, it kind of co coincides with, uh, you know, this uh, this Canelo stuff. I'll just get through a little bit more news. Um, there was, so 
Oh, Stanonius said fight date coming soon. So what's that mean? Who's he fighting? I don't know. Book Williams says Liam Perro enters the IBF rankings at number seven, which, you know, basically means he's going to fight Matias. Here's Connor Ben about the offer that Eddie Hearn said to Gervonta Davis uh, to fight him in the next, you know, fight Tank. Uh, so Tank would make between 10 to $15 million, which when you send an offer and it's between 10 or 15 it's kind of vague. Is the guarantee 10 or is it 15 Because if they did a pay-per-view and they think it can be a blockbuster, which, you know, I don't know about that, but, like, that's Eddie Hearn. But he's a promoter. What else is he going to say? But, like, so so he, so let's say it does blow way up. Let's say it did, you know, 400,000, 500,000 buys here, and then to, maybe it was in the U.K. if they could fight there. I don't know if they can. They could get people from the U.K. to come over here, and they could probably do a nice, healthy gate here. I'm sure, you know, Vegas would be all over it. But the 10 to 15 is just kind of vague. Which one is it? And is it 10, and you can make and you can make upwards of 15? I don't know. You know what I mean? That's what I don't know. And so that that's – I'm not sure. But, he, but his comments were, if 10 or 15 million ain't enough – and stay quiet, stay at your house with your little tag on your ankle. <laughs> so I thought that was pretty funny. Um, Golden Boy also has a card coming up April 27th in Fresno. Uh, top rank, like I said, Corpus Christi, April 13th. Sounds like San Diego, May 18th as well. Um, let's see here. Uh, do, do, do. Yeah, I mean, I'm getting a couple messages on both sides about Lopez Ortiz. Honestly, like, that's why I just wish it was a draw. <laughs> because I, I don't know, man. I, I didn't see either one of them. Inhan or <laughs> yeah, oh, that's right. The Minnesota um, representing in the Congress said, I'm confused and frustrated. Did we all see, <laughs> see the same fight? Omar from... Uh, from Minnesota, yes, that was funny that she's watching that. Um, what else we got here? Uh, oh, yeah, so Bob Arum. Oh, here's some really good news. Here's some really good news. So Bob Arum revealed that the Beterbiev and uh, Bival fight is going to be on straight up, not just ESPN+, Plus. June 1st, ESPN in the U.S. Now, it is a mid-afternoon fight, so we'll see. Um, you know, what, let's see, June, man, wonder if they had, wonder if they had, well, no, that would be the finals, so they wouldn't have that. I was going to say the NBA playoffs, like during the after, like from 11 to 2 or something, but no, I'm, I'm asking too much, I'm asking too much. That was quite up, by the way. Fury also let out a, a video saying, um, on Instagram, saying he's not retiring, he's not going anywhere, he mapped out a five-fight plan. Usyk twice, Joshua twice, and then uh, Nganu said, I ain't going nowhere. So a lot of people are saying, you know, the cuts and whatnot. Yeah, I did see Roley and also um, I think what yeah Ryan Garcia and Devin was on um, Radio Row for the Super Bowl. 
Same with uh, Roly and also um, oh, what's his name? Who else was there? Devin Haney. Oh, Tim Zoo. Yeah, Tim Zoo was on there because a couple people were were kind of posting, um, you know, about him. So it's always good to get the the radio road and get some interviews and whatnot. Um, you know, we'll see. We'll see where that goes. Um. What else we got here? So we might as well just get into it. So there's been this big thing about Canelo Alvarez is leaving the PBC because, of course, once again, they have no money. They're broke, right? They have no money. And, you know, they're already – this is what happens every time. Like, they're going to end – whether it's – whether let's say it's Charlo or whether it's Crawford, more than likely they're going to shit on the fight. Right? And, you know, they're going to say they don't, they don't have money, right? So they're broke, but yet they were able to pay off the last year of the Showtime deal, which isn't super cheap. Um, And now they have a new deal, but since it's not announced, you know, right now, that means they're done. They, they can't they can't do it. And we've heard, you know, um, you know the, the you know who it is, the Glaze, right? And people just run with it, saying they, you know, Canelo has concern there. He doesn't have a guaranteed purse. Um, and the PBC has been dead silent about the May 4th announcement. Um, other questions now being asked, why is there zero participation in Amazon at the media conference? Although there was someone from Amazon there. But anyway, um, there's too many very negative signs to ignore, start paying attention. So basically, now they're kind of saying, it's just like the Amazon deal, right? They said there's no way that Amazon would do a deal with them, no matter what the fucking deal. And now the second they sign the deal and it gets out, you know, it gets announced as multi-year, and what was it, 10 to 12? Or was it 12 to 14? I think it was 12 to 14 uh, events a year, pay-per-views in regular. And then it was a shitty deal. So that you can't get the deal, and it's a shitty deal. So so it turned into, well, they got the deal, but it's garbage. Or like when when a PBC fighter goes someplace else to fight something that they want them to do, then when they do it, they say the sink's done, using Deontay Wilder. Clearly, the heavyweight division is in Saudi Arabia right now. It just is. So, so was Al supposed to somehow in Shelly Finkel, for that matter, supposed to supposed to keep Wilder, you know what I mean? Like, on one hand, you say this, but on the other hand, you know, like Ray Vargas, instead of fighting Figaro, he's fighting an easier fight, probably for more money. Well, yeah, that makes sense. You know, so, so Brill Matias left. 
look at his options. He, he, he did his deal, you know, off of his loss. Remember, they put him in a big spot on the Wilder Fury rematch card. He lost, but then they built him back up. Now, I'm not saying they built him into a big name or anything like that. I'm just saying the contract up. He was a free agent. He didn't like what ESPN was offering him. Didn't like that there was really no 140 fights for him. He'd have to go up to 147. This is his words. That was the PBC um, offer, right? Um, Because he said he wanted rolling and tank. And obviously, they had other plans for both of them. And he he didn't feel like they were going to give him a Tiafimo Lopez fight. So he signed with Hearn, which Hearn has a lot of 140, and so does Golden Boy. They're at the same zone. So it, it makes sense. They had a contract, they move on. So it just, I don't know, dude. You know, not really sure about all that stuff, right? <laughs> um, and then the big announcement on Tuesday today for Canelo on TBS Pekka was that he's leaving. Basically, the big announcement will be um, that he left the PBC. And, uh, you know, because they can't guarantee him any money. So he's going to fight Munguia. That, that's, that's what people were running with. Okay? And there's a couple people that do this. Glaze leads the way, but there's several people that have been doing this shit six months after. Literally six months after uh, the BBC came around. Like late 2015, they were already saying this. So basically, the Canelo re-upped with Azteca. Right? Here's some of the this is actually a fight hub, right? They kinda organized the you know, some things about the about the thing. So he said Canelo plans to fight five more years. He said, I don't want boxing to retire me but he wants to fight for five more years and I remember him saying about three to five years, so that makes sense. Um, he signed to T V S Teca for one more year to show his fights for free in Mexico. The networks want Mexican pay-per-view, and Canelo said no, right? And then he also said that he's finalizing his next opponent. It'll be in a week or two. And he said it's going to be an American. And last time I checked, Mugia is not American. So could it be Crawford? Could it be Charlo? We assume it's not Benavides, you know, I always kind of thought on a three-fight deal that the last one would be Benavides this September. I hope it is. You know, I hope it's not Charlo Crawford or Crawford Charlo. To be honest, like I'm saying, the two fights this year. Um, so yeah, my guess is Charlo or Crawford. You know, right now as it stands, I think the the the, the Bud Crawford fight would do better because it's a fresh fight, right? And I mean fresh fight because Charlo at one point would be, was a viable, really good opponent for him, right? But he obviously went missing. He had some mental issues. He had some outside-the-ring stuff. He finally got a fight recently, what, November? Good for him, right? So, but the back-to-back Charlo fight I don't think would do as good as Bud. For a couple of reasons, obviously. Charlo kind of been off the scene, right? Not kind of. He's been off the scene. Two, 
the charlo, I mean, the confusion that even boxing media people for years before they were in different weight classes, people used to get them mixed up, right? So casual fans can be like, dude, you just fought Charlo. Now, it won't say two on the back of it, so there is a differential there, but if you think about it, it's still like, like there's a storyline there that, hey, you beat my brother, (laughs) but the fact that Jermel had such a non-performance in that, like it didn't really look like it was just it was just a bad fight for him, and he just didn't. He tried some stuff, it didn't work, and he looked like he just survival mode, and he just wanted. He's like, all right, I'm not going to get knocked out. That's what it looked like, right? And so that leaves a bad taste in people's mouth. So had it been competitive, and Charlo beat him, or I'm sorry and Canelo beat him, then at least you're like, well, now you're going to go with a guy who's a lot closer to the weight, right? Sure. And, you know, Charlo's got a good jab. I think he could actually win rounds, and he uses a jab throughout the fight. Whereas, you know, Mel doesn't. He's really inconsistent with his jab, but all that times Crawford finally crossed over in this last fight. He got the big fight. It did a super big game. And it did a very sizable pay-per-view. And look what he did in that. So he's an undefeated fighter. He's been on HBO and ESPN for a long time. And he demolished Spence. So I do think that it's just more sellable. Right? Now, I'm not putting the money up for this, you know. But Mungia... You don't, I don't think it's Benavides. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe he'll surprise us. I don't think it'll be Benavides, though. Um, it sounds like it's, he said it's American fighter, and it's in Las Vegas. The last time I checked, because the, the whole going broke and he's leaving, was he was going to fight Mungia. He's going to fight Bud and Mungia, and it was going to be in Saudi. That was kind of the, the rumor. So... It can't be Mungia because he's Mexican. And he said no and you know, now David was born here, right? So he is American. Um, but uh, my guess is it just would happen in September at the earliest. So um, so yeah, I, I kind of think it's going to be Bud, but either Bud or Charlo. But if it is one of the two, I, like I said, I don't want Bud did Charlo. I, that's two fights where you're like, well, now, hey, if Bud wins, then it's going to be a rematch more than likely. You know what I mean? And you could say the same thing for Charlo, I guess. But if it's Bud and then Benavides, or, you know, even if it is Charlo, but then we, it's Benavides next, either way, just fight Benavides in September. You know, by that time, it'll be built up even more. You know, Benavides already just assumes he's not going to get the fight. We talked about that a week or two ago, that he's going to have a fight in June or May or something. So we'll see. We'll see. But, yeah, I mean, I don't know who he's going to fight. But more than likely, because he said that, you know, I mean, basically, you know, Chava Rodriguez, Salvador Rodriguez from ESPN, the poor days, he 
was saying Mungia, Mungia, Mungia. Then, you know, Green Magazine put out, no, it's Charlo. And then he started saying, it's actually Charlo. So, you know, I don't know, dude. Some of these, you know, there's just so much bullshit now out there. And you got guys like Ricardo Celius, right, who's got, you know, when you look at, you know, his, his Twitter Storyteller, writer, TV personnel, Pro Box TV, news director, uh, disowned host, NFL play-by-play. Not ripping the guy, per se, when it comes to what he does. But for the Charlo fight, he said, if it's true, this will be Canelo's worst decision as a pro. Pay-per-view will be horrible, and his legacy will be forever tainted. Forever tainted. So Yildrum and Redding, or not Redding, but... uh Rocky, ready. I put Fielding and, and Rocky together. Um, I mean, so you're telling me Ryder was a successful pay-per-view? It's just, come on, dude. Like, if you don't like the fight, don't do the fight. But the thing is, the whole thing is, oh, Munguia deserves it more than Charlo. Not really. Not really. Because what happened to, and I'm not saying Charlo deserves it. I'm not saying that. But... I don't think either of them deserve it right now. Because what happened to you got to fight, you got to earn it. You got to earn it. What happened to that? Benavides fought Plant and, and Andre. Hopefully he fights someone solid here next. You know, who's Mungia has actually, like, he had a chance to fight Charlo. His team fucked it up. He just had a chance to fight Benavides team fucked it up. So why is the why is the pressure there? But not you know, on PBC Benavides earn go earn it, dude. Come on, man. Which one is it, dude? You know, it's just it's funny, man. It's really funny how that works. Alright, we'll go kind of combo news, boxing Twitter. Mario Mario says, Tell him the crowd suck a dick and then promoting Jesus at the end of the statement is wild, yeah. He was he was all over the place. He was all over the place. Now, Igis Klimas came out and said, second present to Tio from the judges, welcome to the club Lomachenko. It's like, okay, dude. Come on, man. So he got robbed in that Lopez fight. And Adam from SN Boxing was like, stop it. In order to win rounds, a fighter has to literally throw punches. Loma didn't do that for half the fight, you know what I mean? And he says, Sandor Martin deserves, has more of a case. It's like, yeah, that's a good point. Um, Lou DiBella, by the way, Ortiz didn't do enough uh, to scream robbery. He left the door open, uh, you know, to losing by a point or two. He lost a shit close fight, one that he executed closer to the plan. If you don't think Tiavivo survived an absolute ineffective dud of a high-profile performance, yeah, whatever. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, like I said, that's why I really think it, it should have just been done. Um, Jared Ennis, don't bring that table. That's what Crawford's trainer said. Someone tweeted, so basically he's doing boots what he thought the PBC was doing to him. I mean, yeah, but once you get in the, the money position, you only want big fights. That's what happens. See, I don't I don't go there. Just like everyone was dogging Cotto, right, when Triple G wanted to fight him. But he had a Canelo fight coming. But then when Triple G went into money mode, 
those same people just kind of let it be. You know what I mean? Just let it be. Um, what else we got here? Oh, yeah, there's a lot of talk. Well, hold on. Where is it? Where is it? Um, oh, Lord of the Flies. In boxing, you don't score what you like. You score what you discern. discern oh, you score what you discern uh, to be more effective in terms of scoring effective blows as a priority with the other criteria as the backup. Um, yeah, I didn't I didn't think nine to three was for either guy, you know, worked in my opinion. So this is from Ring Magazine. Anyway was <laughs> had some shots fired. He was talking about his performance against Stephen Bolton. I think it was perfect from start to finish. I'd have to agree. Uh, I could easily see what he was thinking. I don't know if it's because he's American, but he doesn't like getting punched in the face. Their boxing style is different from Japanese fighters who fight with uh, the Japanese spirit. Well, I think there's some fighters in the U.S. who fight like that, but probably not many. So it's shots fired. Um, This is an interesting one because it gets talked about a lot as far as inactivity, but then there's more to it. So... Cool boy Steph came out and he said, inactivity kills fighters that that's why I needed to stay that's why I need to stay in the ring. Had one fight in two thousand twenty two and he said two thousand twenty two was my fault though, waiting to try to, you know, fight MJ. Right? Never again. And sometimes that happens too, right? Where you're you're trying to get a big fight, it doesn't work out. But then Boog said fight on King promotion or RDR shows in Philly to stay active. Cool Boy Steph says, nope. And Book says, inactive it is. And he says, well, what are they going to pay me? You know? So it's like, well, I mean, you're going to have to, you're going to have to, going to have to be less. You know what I mean? Um, so that, you know, that plays into it. This is Boxer at Gray. Canelo fighting a Turkish jobber behind one of the most predatorial monthly services fees ever. Conceived extremely good. Canelo fighting on evil pay-per-view. Throw the legacy in the bin, baby. Yeah. Come on, dude. Um, well, Oscar told... Okay, so Oscar told the truth. LRB lied. Rolly admits to taking less money to fight Cruz over Ryan. Yeah, someone... Or, yeah, someone tweeted that. So, because in the, in the interview with Fight Hub, he actually said that he took less money for what he calls a tougher fight, Right. And I think the Cruz in Roley fight's a better fight because uh, I think Garcia beats Roley. Not to say that Cruz doesn't beat Roley because I think he can definitely. But um, he said, I took a harder fight for less money. Now, LRB said the offer was shit. He didn't say it was for less money or more money. He said the offer, the deal was shit, right? And... You know, from one side, Garcia's saying he could have made up to $5 million. Don't know if that means they were going to give him two or three up front, and then he, you know, was it a scale from two to five, depending on the pay-per-view? I don't know. Obviously, he said he gave him a better deal. Al Heyman gave him a better deal. But, there, you know, as the co-main, you'd at least be splitting, you know, some with more people on. You're not in the main event. Now, from the Roley side, as the main event B side, obviously he wanted a better deal. He also spoke 
saying, well, we were negotiating, and then he started negotiating with other people. But, you know, I don't, I don't buy that either because Ryan Garcia, you know, he ended up getting a better fight, a harder fight, right? So you have to have other options. So to think that, Roley, you can only negotiate with me, I don't agree with that. But, yeah, I think pretty much most people knew who actually just looked at it straight up. Um, that it was for less money. Now, the deal structure could be better, but then again, you know, you got better chances to sell pay-per-views with Ryan Garcia than you do Pitbull Cruz. Um, some of these folks that only one-sided, though, you know, saying Oscar, you know, was telling the truth, and Ellerby was lying, okay, now do Oscar. Now do Oscar. How many times has he lied? Like, come on, dude. Let, let's let's keep it open. Um, oh, here's the other thing, which kind of makes me think. That's why I put Charlo and Crawford right there. But if it is Crawford for Canelo, there was that ongoing rumor that Jamal Charlo and Caleb Plant were in negotiations. Which that's a really good fight, especially for you know his first first fight at the full on 168. Someone we'll put that out about, you know, um, Louis DeCubis Jr., you know, and that's already that fight based off their interaction, right? But I like that. I would like that fight. So either, you know, Jamal could either take that fight or Carlos Adamas. Is he just going to go up to 68 and try to get in line in there for the Canelo fight, beat Plant and see what you got? Or and drop the 160 belt, or is he going to fight Adamas? Is Adamas going to take a step aside, and he goes and fights Plant, then comes back down? Who knows? Who knows? So Texas Run Boxing says, Coach Kenny Ellis just guaranteed that Tank's next opponent is going to sleep like Leo Santa Cruz. Okay. Interesting. Interesting. What, what's that? Okay, one more, and then we'll get out of here. Uh, Canelo's big announcement today is that he's releasing the NFT of Billy Joe Saunders' broken orbital bone x-ray. All proceeds will go towards the Gave It A Go Foundation. I mean, if that's not a way, way to end, that's what it is, right? And I'm getting these messages. The, the show's about to go out. But like I said, I don't know who Canelo's fighting next. I would assume he would have said I'm no longer with PBC today or it would have already been out there beyond Glacier and some of the usual suspects. But we'll see. The big rumor was Saudi Arabia with Mungia. Well, it's not Mungia based off what Canelo said. It's in Las Vegas. Is Saudi doing Las Vegas fights now? I mean, maybe they are. I'll leave that open, but I, I, I don't think so. So who knows, right? Um, but yeah, I'm guessing, like most of us, Charlo or Bud. Let's just not hope it's a one-two deal. Let's hope Benavides in September. Anyway, I'm going to get out of here. Enjoy the fights. See you next Tuesday. Peace. Once you become the world champion, I believe that you feel you have the upper hand. So now, when, if you fight, let's say you fight for five years, a straight survival, the bullshit, the whole bag. And when you come to a champion, like, you know what, that made it. That will show you it's business. So I'm going to get any, every dollar worth.